Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of Roman's Empire Podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. I'm your host, Andres, and you may be wondering why Zach nor Psalm are completing this intro. Well, Psalm is busy lawyering now that he's a full-blown adult, and Zach is getting ready to fly down to Houston for the FA Cup Final. So, today joining me is our good friend of the pod, Rep Ultra, the human encyclopedia for U.S. men's national team facts, the FIFA Ultimate Team Lord Mahold, the one and only Bobby Toddy. Bobby, how are you doing today, man? Keeping it simple, keeping it nice and short. So, Bobby, I wish I could bring you onto this podcast in a much better situation, but we played Arsenal today, and I'm not going to say they beat us, but they got the win in a 1-0 shutout of our beloved Chelsea. Um, just quick thoughts, man. What did you think of the match? Yeah, I mean, after, uh, after the mistake, they really uh, they really parked it, and uh, we did not break the bank. Yeah, it seems uh, they, they were never hoping to go up. I don't think they were expecting to go up a goal early, and after that they just packed it up and then called it a day. Yeah, it was it was not a fun it was not fun for the viewers. I'm sure the neutrals didn't enjoy it either. But diving right into it, our lineup today was a seven change rotation. The usual formation for Thomas Tuchel was, starts with Kepa in the goal, Aspie, Thiago, and Zuma as the back three, Reese James and Ben Chilwell as the wing backs. The two center mids today were both Billy Gilmore and Jorginho, with a front three of Pulisic. Havertz and Mason Mount. So no Conte, no Hudson Adoy after a good performance, I would say, last week weekend off the bench. And no Timo Werner, who up until recently was getting a start no matter what. So with all that being said, Bobby, what was what were your initial thoughts on the lineup? Um, it's just a lot of rotation. And honestly, that's kind of been a staple of Tugels since he's taken over. Uh I think now that he's gotten a lot of time with the team, relatively speaking, for a manager that came in, you know, halfway through the season or a little past it. Uh, he's more comfortable with some of the players, like Billy Gilmore has gotten a you know, more consistent run the past few weeks, or the past couple of weeks. Um, and uh, and this is just kind of like a staple of his. I think, I think now he's not planning for next season necessarily, but that he, he wants to see more of, of what the players have that he didn't recruit uh, in his lineups early on in his tenure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and, and you made a good point, Billy being the obvious one. This is back-to-back Premier League starts after, you know, earlier this season under Tuchel. It was like, well, probably Gilmore won't get to see the pitch, and we've had a lot of matches in the past couple of weeks. Kovacic still healing from an injury. Conte had been playing a lot of minutes, so on Saturday, it was Jorginho that got the the break, if I'm not mistaken, against right. City, and then this time around, it was Conte, so for Gilmore to get back-to-back uh, starts, I think that says a lot about what he's done in training under Tuchel, but for me, the, the surprise, again, I mentioned it earlier, no no hudson Adoy. I, I really thought after his performance against City, he might got get the start. Obviously, he came on later and we'll discuss that but I mean I, I saw this lineup and I didn't think we're in trouble even with Kepa and goal I thought you know this 
his side can get it done. Uh, am I mistaken for thinking that? No, I, I think Keppa has looked, I mean, like a lot of players, uh, a lot less shaky. I mean, especially our defense uh, since Tuchel has taken over. And honestly, like, again, like, <laughs> Keppa made a, a pretty good save today on what eventually ended up being the goal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, I mean, he's still Keppa, so he's he's capable of, like, of the occasional blunder. But, like... I think he's looked a lot more solid, and so seeing things like that, I've seen him back in the lineup, uh, I, I think it's fine. And also, I think it's a good idea that Tuchel didn't throw him into the FA Cup final. That that explanation of him starting was nice. Yeah, so so we'll talk about that. Tuchel, he was asked if if that was the decision behind Kepa, and, and yeah, he, he agreed. It's the fact that you know we play Saturday. He hadn't played since... But is it now almost, it would have been like a full two, maybe even almost close to a three-week break in between the semis and the final. Right. So for him to to bring him on, I thought it was a clever move on his part. You mentioned it. He did make the initial save. And, and after yeah. that, not not that Arsenal did much, but I thought, I think that Kepa, since Tuchel's return, like you said, has looked a lot better. Or not return, but up on his higher. In Kepa's return, he's looked a lot better. Just I think he confident. also... Yeah, much more confidence. I think Tuchel really was serious when he said that everybody gets a clean slate. I don't think even us at fans, like we thought maybe he was just saying the right thing. We didn't know how much of a of, of truth was behind that. But from what we've seen from Tuchel since his hire, everything he says to the media is, is his honest thoughts. So, yeah. I mean, Kepa, I think, has been one of the biggest beneficiaries, apart from the, the obvious ones of Rudiger and Jorginho. And and I think he deserves that start going into this weekend. Well, I think what you said too about Tuchel saying that to the press, how he says exactly what he's thinking, it's because he has confidence. He knows what he wants. He knows what he expects from the players. Um, he knows that his game plan, more often than not, is going to work. Uh, and I think it rubs off on the players because, like, I was a big critic of uh, Christensen. I think is a good mm-hmm. example. And Christensen would make a lot of mistakes. Like he would have a really good game, and they would make like one awful mistake. And obviously, he kind of did that against City. But like, more, he's, <laughs> he's mostly gotten rid of those like big mistakes. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Kepa. It's like when you have a manager that knows exactly what he wants to do and exactly what he wants all the players to do, that kind of attitude rubs off on the players. And when they wouldn't take anything out of it for them. And they they just are using their natural ability to play the game. Uh, you're seeing a bigger change, and I think Kepa is a great example of that. He's been a solid goalkeeper uh, basically since Tuchel's taken over. Yeah, I, and and this wasn't really in our script, but I wonder what does that mean for Kepa's career at Chelsea? You know, at this point, I'm not in the camp of thinking we need to buy a new keeper. I oh think no, set, definitely we're not. We're set on yeah. Mendy. And I definitely think that if Kepa's willing, you know, I think I'm I'm totally okay with him staying and, and being Mendy's backup. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I I think even if it's just one more season for him, because I like I said, I'm I'm with you. I think Mendy's awesome. Um, but even if it's for one more season for Kepa, and then you know, like he wants to move on, because he's still, I mean, for a goalkeeper, is really young. Um, so. 
if he wants to move on after next season, that's great. But I think it would do him well and us. Uh, it would be good for both parties if he stayed at least another season. Yeah, he's only 26. And we've seen what's happened with De Gea recently. I don't know of, of kind of any next-generation Spanish keepers. Right. So you're right. Maybe he knows that the Euros like Matt, were... Massive or whatever his name is. I don't know. <laughs> right. So so we, we know that maybe this season was too soon for him to take over than the Euros. And, and I mean, it is a World Cup year next year due to the delay in the Euros. So I, I hope he doesn't ask for a push. I think, you know, we're pretty settled. I, I would feel confident with him in goal if, if something yeah. were to happen to Mendy. Yeah. But... It's crazy how a few months can really change that because, you know, we we flash back to December. We're thinking that Kepa is probably gone in January. He'll never see the field again. And and so it's good to see him get his confidence back as both a Chelsea fan and just, you know, for the guy himself. You mentioned it. He's 26. That's that's early days for a goalkeeper's career. Uh, But now I wanted to move on to the next guy that I wanted to focus on, and it was Zuma. Now, today, he had kind of a, a tale of two halves, almost, in, in my book. I think in the first half, it's we know his deficiencies as a player. And his passing out of the back, or lack thereof, quick decision-making with passing out of the back, in a way led to Arsenal's goal. In that sequence, he missed Chilwell and Gilmore, I believe, three different times. Which led to the quick pass to Jorginho, who had two players on his back, which then led to the bad pass to Kepa, if you can even call that a pass. And after the match, and I might have my tinfoil hat on here, I I don't really know. But after the match, Tuchel was asked about his decisions, and he said, you know, the lineup choice was a mistake. He even said that he saw something off in training and yet didn't make anything of it. Something tells me that this is in regards of Zuma's lack of quick decision making from the back. Am I looking yeah. too much into it, or do you think that I'm onto something here? I, I think that could easily be it. Um, <laughs> it's frustrating too because, like, on top of the the bad, I mean, that you know, awful, awful sequence where he like put Jorginho in a hole, and Jorginho also did not do a great job. But you see, <laughs> right. in that sequence too, Jorginho checks his shoulder twice. So I don't know what he was looking at there either. Like he checked over his shoulder twice, once before he received mm-hmm. it, and once as he was receiving it, and still like put it into the goal. Uh, but even even aside from that like bad sequence from Zuma, he also just off the top of my head took two really bad shots after a long spell of possession. <laughs> like yeah, in in that's not the first time he's done that. He like Zumessi's all the time where he like like make a driving run or like try to hit a 30-yard curler, and it doesn't really make sense. And, like, those kind of shots, and like, or, or just obviously the bad passing, it just kills, like, any momentum you have in the game. And, like, when we're playing against uh, a team that's going to sit back, which is most teams we play against, you can't, you can't get bored in possession, or you can't get... Uh, Desperate. Yeah, you, you, like have to like stick to the plan and that's like Tuchel's thing too is like I mean you've seen him old show early in a game uh for not you know doing exactly what he said right like like so I think like it makes sense what you said because Tuchel's frustration will come from somebody not doing what he's asked them to do and I agree I think I think Zuma was asked to distribute 
better or be a better passer out of the back <laughs> and was not only not good at it today, very poor. Yeah, and, and Russell Saunders, you mentioned the shooting. He asked, do you think Kurt needs to shoot more, do more shooting practice, or no. should we be questioning why the fuck he's taking uh, a shot that's sail yeah. high and wide? And it's, he says, love the defender, but he ain't a baller. So that's and, the thing. He's a bruiser. Like, that's what yeah. he is. He, like, he wins, he wins aerial balls. He, the chase down, it was the chase down last match against City. Like, he does early, things yep. like that. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's a very good, he's no, he's literally just an old school defender. He like he is he is great at making tackles, winning physical battles. He's a pretty smart defender. He's like he, he does things defensively extremely well. But mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, on the ball is just like it's a different story. Just, yeah, just don't yeah don't don't be on the ball. And I think this goes now as to why earlier we saw Tuchel try him as the center of a back three a lot. You know that that position isn't going to be going up very high. He'll right. be cleaning up any sort of mess that gets passed to two outside center backs. You know, we used to use that under Conte to protect David Luiz's lack of defensive skill. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in Tuchel's system, he's there as more of a safety blanket. And, right, it's like almost like a sweeper. Right, and I think that's the role that Zuma's built for. I think, you know, I, I had this debate with a friend. He's like, well, Zuma wasn't that bad because Aspie was the one getting pulled later in the match. And it's... The thing is, you're not going to play Aspie as a center back in a back four. We we switched to a back four later, and I yeah. think Aspie was more taken out because one, Reese James can play fullback, and two, he's not as big or fast as, as Zuma is. And, and I don't yeah. think it was a, a, a merit or performance sub. It was more of a what's left on the field if I switch to a back four. Right, yeah. We're playing a back four. Zuma's better fit for center back. Yeah, it, and now there's, you know, there's rumors now of, of Mourinho wanting and, you know, Mourinho wanted him at Tottenham. Mourinho wanted him at Man United. Here's his third chance to sign him now that he's at Roma. He, the links have already begun. I know that Chelsea are still in the market for a center back as well. Do you think he is the name that's going to face the chopping block? Um, yeah. I mean, Rudiger's had a great season and Tuchel loves him. Uh. Andreas Christensen, again, we talked about him. He's mm-hmm. had a phenomenal season. We're not going to let... Uh, didn't we extend uh, Thiago Silva another year? Yes, Fabrizio Romano came out yeah. this morning or yesterday to state that it's basically just pending an announcement, but right. that Thiago will be staying another season. And ob- yeah, and obviously you're keeping him around. Um, like you said, I don't think Aspie's really a center back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and there's the chance that we might switch to a back four as well. No, you're good. But the uh, the name that keeps floating around is uh, is Marquinhos, which also makes uh, a lot of sense for a bunch of different yes. reasons. I spoke about him in our last podcast this past weekend, and since there has been a lot more concrete, uh, you know, links to him, it makes more sense because again, Tuchel has seen him. He, Versatility too. He exactly, can fill the void at both center mid and center back. He is a, a leader. He's proven that with Thiago Silva gone, he could step in and, and be that vocal presence mm-hmm. for PSG. And he's still – he's in the prime 26. of his career. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's going to just go into his prime, so he's not a short-term answer. This guy could play yeah. six, seven years at Chelsea, so he'd be yep. a great investment. I know – And, and I, think, I think he's going to be signed. Like I think, I think he's like who 
who Tuchel really wants. It's, it's the striker and, and specifically Marquinhos. Um, and if you sign Marquinhos, you sign him for positional versatility, obviously, but you want to get rid of a center back. And I don't, like, I don't think that Aspie's center back at this point, so, you know, that depends on, like, what formation we run uh, next year, like, the majority of, but, uh, yeah, I, I think if, if Marquinhos is the guy you want, then you get rid of a center back, and I think, like, Zuma is, is pretty obviously the one that would be the odd man out of all the ones that we have currently. Yeah, and, and again, it's not that he's a bad defender, but you mix age, you mix experience, and he's probably the one you get the most out of value-wise. Oh, yeah, I think, for sure. Again, with, with the switch to a back four and then potentially, you know, Tuchel doesn't stick to the back four all year. Or, you know, he's done the back three because it was the easiest thing he could coach quickly. So we'll see multiple systems. And again, you have a back three, you can have a Rudiger and Christensen. You switch back to a back four, you have a potential pairing again of Marquinhos and Thiago Silva. We mentioned Aspie. Aspie is, is your utility player. I know every year I've said, you know, this is the year that Aspie's going to slowly fade out of the starting <laughs> 11. But I really do think that is coming next season. Yeah. I think his time is coming. I do think I say that, but I still think he's the guy you start in the Champions League final at wing back. But that's I'm totally digressing here. Uh, I just wanted your opinion because it, it really does feel like Zuma is is now on the outs after he was key to to Lampard's initial good run of form this season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think he's on the outs. And, and Tomori's not coming back. I mean, the guy's balling at AC Milan. They they love him there. He loves Milan. I know. The other great. name that that I don't think has a way back is Mark Gurhi. I think yeah. he's he hasn't done enough at Swansea, and at the same time, I think he really just wants to secure a long term home. From what I understand, right. yeah. And the other name that we have is, is Xavier Miamba, and, and he's just yeah. gotten back from a major injury. So for anyone yeah. that's kind of slobbering over the fact that he's six five, athletic, it, it's still too soon. The guy's played like three matches all season. Yeah, and he, in the past couple weeks. He's prime for a loan. Okay. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Hopefully he gets a good one because he's something that we can think of for three years down the road. I, I I'm not even thinking a year's right. time. It's just a, a guy to keep in the back of your head. But another academy guy that we want to talk that I, we should probably talk about is Hudson Adoy. You know, I he came on as a halftime sub. Gilmore was probably harshly pulled at halftime, yeah. although you understand why you keep the experience in midfield and, and just slide mount back, especially a, a goal down. But initially I thought Cho's inclusion was going to be a positive one. Now that did not go as planned no uh he uh he just i don't know he looks better when he's wider uh like he's not he's not great in like the half spaces around the box he's much better when he's talking the sideline and i think uh i think today was kind of apparent like he's faced against a team that's compact defensively those are generally not his best performances yeah, and, and it's a little bit different. You know, you mentioned about the compact defense. When we were playing City, we were facing off a team that was trying to come at us. And, mm-hmm. and Cho came at a time where we were still 1-1. So he had the, the space out wide, like you said, to counter. He wasn't playing wing back, but he could, you know, hog the, the touchline and give himself space before receiving the ball. 
because we had to spread out an already very spread out city defense. Uh, a few weeks ago, we I think it was Black Emoji was asking us, you know, where is Cho and, and would you like to see him back? And for me, the natural way of bringing him back was rotating him with Reese James when we needed to score a lot of goals where a team is yep. really there for the taking. And I, I referenced the Crystal Palace match and how he scored four goals. Yep. He was part of that starting 11 and played most of the match. And I think that was a missed opportunity today to play him at wing back on the right yeah. side. I, I think he would have been matched up with Tier, uh, Kieran Tierney, yeah. who, who hadn't played in a while. So again, no. Cho coming off a good game and Tierney kind of just getting his feet wet again. I thought, why not play a guy that's going to keep him pinned back? Meaning, obviously, while it was still nil-nil, when, again, once they scored, they decided to just play 10 at the back. But that's that's where Cho's so good. And he yep. is a playmaker. I mean, he's not this lethal finisher, cold right. ice in his veins guy, but he seems to assist goals when he gets the chance to and when he plays out wide. So, so I think that he's like a little behind Pulisic in development, but he reminds me so much of Pulisic at Dortmund. And, like, when Tuchel was at Dortmund, he, not as often as Cho, but he, he put Pulisic at wingback, and it's because Pulisic was very fast and was good at beating people one-on-one and could put in a good cross. And, like, I think I think Cho, I think that's, like, disingenuous to say that Cho's what Pulisic was at Dortmund. I think he's better than that. But the development is the same where I think right now, he is really good at beating people one on one, and he's really he's better than Pulisic ever was at, at crossing and putting in good crosses, and like those those two qualities make him such a good wing back. And I think what Pulisic has done really well is developed in like half spaces, like in tight spaces around the box, and that's kind of where Cho struggles. And so when you bring him narrow, you kind of take away the skill set that he has out wide very good things he does when he plays wide and you put him somewhere where I think he can develop into being a very good player, but I don't think he's necessarily comfortable in the spot yet. Yeah. And I think that's such a common misconception thinking, Oh, well, if he can dribble outside, why can't he dribble in the middle? It's completely different. Yeah. On the outsides, you're, you're isolated. It's, it's an Mm -hmm. ISO situation. You're mostly one B one. And maybe there's a defender 10 yards back covering for the guy you're beating. And in the middle, no matter what direction you look, there's going to be people there. I think right. the big difference in, in the development you talk about, Polisic has had to be the guy in the United States national mm-hmm. team. And he's had to play as a number 10, more central, having yep. a lot more touches and be more around the goal. So I think that experience has helped him develop more into this inside forward playmaker, 10 slash winger hybrid. Meanwhile, Cho... You know, he's still trying to break into the national team. There's players already on the inside. So he's been only known to be as a winger. A true player. winger. He's a true yeah. winger. Yeah. So so I think, you know, we're, I'm not saying by any means that his future is, is limited or anything like that. But I do think that next season, you know, again, I, I keep referencing next season, but the rumors of Tuchel trying to run his 4-2-4 continue to circulate. And yeah, and earlier this week, Tuchel mentioned he wants to turn Cho into quote unquote the next Neymar or Mbappe. 
Yeah, and see, that's the thing. So I don't want to sound like I'm, like, dogging Cho, and, like, I don't think he can, like, turn into, like, I, it's not like a, and I hate comparing him to Pulisic because it, it's divisive, but, like, I, I think that he can develop into a really good inside forward. Like, I think the skill set is there, but it's, I don't know if it's, because I don't know if it's a mentality thing, because, like, personally, watching Pulisic, it was a mentality shift for him. Like, the summer he got transferred, he was a lot more direct and aggressive, and at the beginning of his Chelsea tenure, he would dribble at people and lose it, and then, obviously, it still happens, but a lot less, and, like, that's kind of what I see with Cho. He can beat one guy pretty much every time. He beats one guy, he did it uh, today, he beat one guy on the edge of the box and put in a really nice cross um, that no one was there for. Giroud was there, Pulisic was at the top of the box, and there was no one else there. Um, but he does those things really well. It's just beating the second and third guy, and that's kind of what you have to do. You have to figure out whether it's a one-two with someone else or whatever, but you need to figure out how to get around the second and third guy, and not just the first one. And I think that's kind of where he struggles, uh, and why he kind of struggled today when he came on. Uh, it, it's beating you, you. He like it's not that he isn't trying to do it; it's that he doesn't really know how, and that's totally a thing he can learn. But I think I personally, I think that's why he struggled today. Yeah, I. I Again, I think getting him wider, starting his starting point wider where he'll have space upon beating the first man is, is key to his own success. And, you know, again, the 4-2-4 can really unlock that. And, and this can be a chance to see Pulisic on the left, Cho on the right. Yeah, 4 2 makes consistent, sense for us for a lot of reasons. Yeah, on a consistent basis as well. Um, mm. The other thing is in terms of his development and what – the manager is expecting. He also, Tuchel said that, you know, one good performance isn't going to make him a consistent starter. Right. And and he was very blunt about the fact, and this was pre-match, so bear in mind now he really is going to stand by this, is players like Tammy, players like Cho, need to be putting in the work day in and day out. And, yeah. and at this age, I think, you know, they both, one thing that's a detriment to the Chelsea Academy almost is that we have such a good Academy that our players are the very best at their age group and face oh, no yeah. adversity. Yeah. And then I mean, that they just jump, dominate. The youth exactly. And, and, and jumping to the first team, they think that it'll be just like that. Meanwhile, you have clubs like Southampton who, who have who don't have the greatest academy in terms of how, what they do as a group, but they shell out players like Gareth Bale, who has a great career. Right. Um, you know, lower names. You have actually Luke Shaw, Chamberlain. Right? Luke Shaw was Southampton, wasn't he? Luke Shaw is the left back that came out of Southampton, yeah. who wasn't good enough to be at Chelsea because he was a Chelsea fan. Goes to Southampton now. He, you know, team of the season candidate for a left yeah. back. It, it, and, and these are. That's the difference between at a young age facing that adversity and being told that you need to work harder to make it and be tougher and all that. When, when you have such a skill gap and then you jump to the next level and now the skill gap is you're at the bottom instead of at the top, it, it's that mentality that these players need to develop. And again, it's not something that they can't grow into, but that's what Tuchel is trying to, to shine a light on. And, and I hate to even go back this far, but even Sari said this when he was here, when Cho was only 17, you know, fans are saying, He's bring on Cho, bring on Cho. Exactly. Yeah. We, the, the best case to look at is Phil Foden this season. 
The reason Phil Foden Unreal. looks this good is because Pep has really, really kept people in check about what, yeah. what, how to develop Foden. It's been three seasons of people asking Foden to, to get constant starts, to get constant minutes. And we're seeing him now in year four of him being part of the squad. Like, yeah. these guys are young. Not everybody's going to be killing Mbappe at Monaco. Again, Mbappe. I think that's, I think that's the issue, too, is like, it's it's instant gratification. It's mm-hmm. it's seeing like Cho put in a phenomenal performance, and like I'm guilty of it too. Like if Pulisic puts in a great performance, I'm like, oh, we gotta play him forever. It's like if Mason Mount puts in a great performance, it's like you know if he has a mega game the next match, it's like we can't say anything about him. And it's like they're kids. At the end of the day, these guys they're they are kids, and like consistency at that age is like few and far between you really get like the hollands the mbappes like that's that's really it I see. Like, <laughs> yeah right yeah like you don't you don't get that kind of consistency at that age unless it's a you know the, i mean even like Jaden sancho who is considered by many to be you know like a generational talent uh the beginning of the year this year for him was not good he Very did not slow. have a great yeah he did not have a great start to the year and it's not because he's a bad player it's because he's a kid like it, it's impossible consistency at that age is is so tough and like I think I really do think Tuchel because there's so many things that I've said personally like I'd like to see this I'd like to see this I, you know like one of them is Mason Mount playing in a pivot and like it's like that's a whole different thing but like today when we needed to score goals it's not that like we think Mason Mount can attack it's that we want his attacking presence in the midfield to just add another attacker mm-hmm. and like he sees things like that so I trust him with with Cho like if he sees Cho like he clearly likes Cho I mean the Neymar comparison or comp is un- unreal I mean that's quite a statement um, yeah that's huge praise yeah like he clearly likes Cho so I think even though I think he had a bad game today, I would urge people not to, you know, jump ship. Just pump the brakes a little bit. I think everything is going to be okay. Yeah, and it's just a matter of these guys are kids, and 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 I was going to bring that up as a as an argument for our front three. Now, you know, we had Mount Kai and Pulisic. Kai with probably the the best chance alone. This match is completely missing the target, but. Mount had a few chances, Pulisic one at the end, and and none of them ended up in the back of the net. And, and my question now is, is it just a matter, like, are we asking too much at times? Like, is it a matter of age no. as to why we're not consistent? <laughs> no. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think anybody in this team is a finisher. Like, nobody <laughs> nobody in this team is a lethal finisher. Uh, I think, like, Pulisic is a good finisher for a winger. Uh, I think... Yeah. I think Kai is not in great form. I think he's just a phenomenal player, so, like, he plays well. But, like, for Kai Havertz, he's not really in great form. He's just getting better uh, as he gets more comfortable in the system. What I do think he does really well is he gets to the bottom of his feet really quickly. Like, there were a few times where Mount... I, there was one time specifically where he had his back to somebody in the box and Mount fizzed him in the pass from the left. And, uh, and he got it out of his feet quickly. And, like, he does those things really well. He's probably just an average finisher. Um, he does try yeah. really hard finishes. Like today, for him to, I, I don't know if he's trying to go top corner today, um, but like to try that one on one with the keeper is pretty ridiculous. Obviously, the chip that hit the crossbar is 
is pretty ridiculous too. So he has it in his locker. Maybe it's just like you know playing more and getting in better form. But I yeah. mean, just as far as like the makeup of the team, it's just the story of the season. Like we create a ton of chances and we don't finish anything. I mean, we should we should have realistically had. I mean, the one that were obviously highest should have been put away. Um, and then the one that was like the questionable handball uh, that right. Mount shot should have been put away as well. I think it was a good, sh- a fine enough shot by Mount. Uh, I, I, st- I, st- I still think that's a handball. I think if it's going in and your hand is not touching your thigh or, you know, behind your back, I think it's a handball. Yeah, I, I've tried to, to not lose sleep anymore over the extremely ambiguous handball rule. I right. I don't know I mean, how you, to call it correctly. I don't even know what the correct I get, yeah, I get the, is. It, I don't either. But to me, man, I mean, his hand was not at his side. It was yeah. it was off his body, and he had an open palm. Like To me, that's a handball every time, especially because that's a goal. We, we've seen that things that aren't handballs be called penalties. I mean, yeah. It's a shame. And, and to go back to the fact that we didn't finish, expected goals had us winning 1.79 to 0.64. So, again, I I know a striker is going to have to be a, something. Be top priority. Yeah, top priority. But now the follow-up question is, does this show how important Werner can be to this team, regardless of the misses? I don't think so. Because I don't think creating opportunities was the issue today. We played yeah. a team that – it packed it in for when did they get the goal? Like the twelfth minute? When was the goal? Uh, it was pretty early, right? Sixteenth minute. Sixteenth minute. Okay, yeah. yeah. So from the sixteenth minute on, they they put ten guys in their box and dared us to shoot. Um, yeah, I, I I just had to ask because Zach earlier this month was saying that Werner might be the the most important attacker under Tuchel, and obviously I, yeah. I disagree. But I, I think again, you mentioned it. I think had had we not conceded the goal early, maybe he right. could have made a difference. But when you when you concede in the 16th to a team that doesn't think they can beat you, you're you're it's an uphill battle, and it, and it brings up Prashant's question. So at CSE Prash, uh, Rep Ultra Prashant, he asked, "Do you guys think we will struggle to come back after going a goal down? I think the city result is an anomaly." We still have not figured how to break down low blocks. And, and and here's my thought on this. Will we struggle to come back? Sure. Against a team that's ready to just do a low block the rest of the game. Come Saturday, come May 29th, I don't think either of those teams are the type that are going to be content with sitting back and absorbing pressure for 90 minutes. I don't either. So uh, in terms of the big games left this season – I think we have a comeback in us because we're facing two teams that are not the kind to like to sit on their heels. No, but he never does that. Right. And, and they, they, look, they go for the jugular for full 90. Yeah. Just ask uh, both Dortmund and PSG. Yeah. Now, um, now in, uh, in the Premier League, though, we still have, what, two or three more matches? If right. I'm not mistaken, we have two more matches. Two. And those are against Leicester and Aston Villa. Aston Villa is the last match of the season. They have nothing. But the Leicester match, they still want to clinch top four. They're above us with two points. A win against us would seal the deal. I honestly don't think we'll see a low block the rest of this season. But it has been an issue. Low blocks have been an issue for us. Again, 
since Diego Costa left. Right. And that goes back to the lack of killer finishing more so than anything else. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the issue. Again, like when you go against a low block, you don't have that many chances, no matter who you are. Um, yeah. Unless it's just a terrible team. But you need a lethal finisher when you play against a low block. And like even today, like Giroud, what the post, like you got to put that in the net. I didn't even think about that one. Today. Yeah. Uh, he hit the net, and also like I don't know, maybe ten minutes before that, it was it was I think it was before that he just completely scuffed a shot. He he was probably what like ten yards off the goal on the left side, and he scuffed a shot. It's just crazy. Um, it, it's yeah, it's laughable. He should be the lethal finisher, right? Like that's kind of like what <laughs> the he one is. thing and that like, we expect from him. No, he we really don't expect hasn't to be been this year. Yeah. He he had the moment against Atletico Madrid, and thank you, Olivier Giroud, for that. If if you have if you have that in you in May 29th, I'll love another thank you Arsenal moment from him. But I, at the end of the day, we just don't have it in any of our strikers, and I and I really don't want to hear people come at us and say, "Well, Tammy Abraham, he, look, I'm gonna say it now again. There's a reason why every time he started in the Premier League, he was pulled at halftime. His play style doesn't mix with Tuchel's." And unfortunately, if he's not willing at this young age to to learn how to adapt, I don't just like Zuma, I unfortunately don't know if he'll be here. I think he'll be the one to force the move more so than Chelsea. Yeah. And and I mean, I'm sure he'll have fifteen goals in a mid table team that's countering and he can poach. I really do. That doesn't mean that we lost the plot on him though. What's really frustrating with him is, like, I was a big stan of his because I think he does a lot of things really well. Um, but he reminds me of the the big man that you played basketball with that wanted to play like a guard. Uh, he, like, has the frame and the, the, the ability to play big and, like, win physical battles. Even though he's not the, the, the heaviest, he still can win those physical battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he doesn't. He plays on the outside. He's good. Like he, he's a good dribbler. He's good in in link up play. Like he does all the things well. Um, but if he would just like be strong and like play in the box and not try to play on the perimeter of the box, I think yeah. it would suit him a lot more. And I think he'd get he'd get to play more because that's when we need to score goals against the low blocks. Giroud plays, but that would be his role because he's should be more versatile than Giroud because he's way more athletic. Um, and like and who he, better to teach you how to play with your back than goal, Giroud. too? Yeah. But I think he plays with... Yeah, that's the thing. is like What makes you mad is Tammy does that well. He just doesn't force the issue of doing it like Giroud does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and again, it's crazy because you said, you know, players that have a frame, and, and I mentioned, you know, maybe that's something you learn with age. And I get that Erling Holland is another machine and he's built yeah. different, but the man is is similarly built to Tammy. I I, I think Holland is still a little bit bulkier, bigger. Bulk, bulk yeah. here, but but the point is, at 19 years old, he thinks the body of center back. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Tammy likes to throw his arms up in the air and draw, look for right. drawing a foul, and it's just yeah. look when you're that big, you're not gonna get that call. And I also think that's that may be some of the reason Tua gets frustrated with him. Because that's the reason, I mean, personally, that's the reason I get frustrated with him. It's like, like, just, like, be big. Like, you are, you were, you were gifted 
the the height to be a big player and like just use it use it to your advantage because like he like he if he focused on like using his physical gifts along with like the technical ability that he has he could be a really good player but it just he never forces the issue physically and i just it's so frustrating to watch yeah well uh we'll we'll finish off the conversation in today's match i I think we both agree that the way we played wasn't the issue here i think it was just yeah finishing is, is the one thing that this result comes down to but it's not a Roman's Empire pod without me bringing back the fact that 2021 is just 2012 all over again. And Kirill's Medvedev like to point out another Red Bull drive. He says, all I, all I have to say is this. The last time we lost the, the arse at the bridge was in 2011-2012 season. And I want to also add another Red Bull drive. Dylan added in our chat today that the last time Arsenal did the double on us, was the weekend before the FA Cup final in that same season. Yeah. So my no strong Dram Smith's hat is back on, and this just adds to the extremely long list of coincidences, which at this point I don't think are coincidences anymore as to how this season could still end up with a double for Chelsea. I I mean, I know that's a silver lining. Nobody likes to lose against Arsenal. We still have two matches. Top four is still completely in our control. Even if we were to to win just one of the final two games, West Ham would have to uh, score like a bajillion goals to go over us in the table. So again, I know people are freaking out and, oh my God, that was so bad, but I'm not too fussed. I I don't think you are either at this point, Bobby. I, I mean, I think we can kind of scratch this off and move on to the next one. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not superstitious, so I, uh, I just I like the, <laughs> the direction that we're going. Yeah, I, I'm again. This if this was back like, again when we lost to Arsenal on December 26th, we had come from a run of games where we looked like the lesser side consistently, and yeah. and in that run up leading to Arsenal, our only victory was I believe three one versus West Ham, which was not the result was not true to the performance West Ham right. probably deserved the win then so it's totally different here again expected goals even showed us having the the benefit but we'll move on now and Dylan at Astroworlds asked all this talk about how much we've missed Kovacic I feel like today showed us how much we missed Conte um I honestly don't think it would have made a difference yeah to be completely I, I... honest I don't either. This is this is the game, like you said, like it, when they went super defensive, like put Reese at right center back, move Mount to a pivot, like the shape against Fulham where it's like a a three three two two, or you know, mm-hmm. like vaguely like the ZX drop back a little bit. Um, but it basically was a three three two two. I would do that. Like you go down a goal, do that because like Conte. I mean, obviously, like, one of the best ever at, at breaking up and breaking up play and starting the counter quickly. Like, what play was he going to break up? I think Arsenal had, like, 30-something percent of the possession today. Like, I, I don't... Like, I love Conte, um, but, like, I don't I don't think he... I don't think he makes the game different than it was. 
Like, maybe if he's in the same spot as Jorginho, he doesn't make that play. But, I mean, he wouldn't have been in that position. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Conte really changes that game for the better. Yeah, I, I think Conte will slide right back into our starting eleven right. in the I big mean, ones, yeah. and it's, it, yeah, he's just getting a rest, man. Everybody deserves a rest, and and again, the the congestion of the fixtures recently has been crazy against top level opposition. If one thing we learned under Frank Lampard's tenure is that you can't just continue to play Conte every single week. Nope. And a healthy Conte is is way better than, than a 70% Conte. Like, we need him at 100% for these yeah. last four matches. Nope. Um, the next question is from Leonard Cohen, and, and I'll do my best to, to do what Zach and Song do. When, when Leonard asks a question, he always does it so formally. <clears throat> Dear Pod, while many listeners will want to focus on Jorginho, the boy's got to go, I'd like to ask the pod, what is Chelsea's goal conversion rate in all competitions this season? Kai Havertz fluffed his opening lines, and Christian Pulisic was given offside. Um, but before Bobby did the research on this one, so before I let him get into that, I still don't think... What I think the Jorginho thing is a one-off mistake. I think he's proven that under Tuchel, he is a very serviceable players still to this team so I don't know about him having to go yet I think that Jorginho Conte pairing if Mont, if Mount can't play midfield is still our best one so that's just my point on that but Bobby in terms of our conversion rate why don't you en- enlighten us a little bit yeah so look this up uh, this is a good question because I was kind of curious of it too uh, so on 680 shots, which puts us at third in the Premier League in shots, and I believe, uh, I didn't research this, but I saw under Tuchel we're first in shots uh, since he's taken over. And uh, we are we have 55 goals out of those 680 shots, and the 55 goals puts us at seven, seventh in the table in goals. And the conversion rate for that is 8.1%, which is 13th. I couldn't find it for all comps, but I assume it's probably around 8.1%. Because uh, it's a pretty big sample size. Jesus. Like 680 shots is a <laughs> sample size for conversion rate. God. Well, <laughs> if that doesn't just highlight what we discussed earlier about finishing, I yeah. really don't know what does. I mean, that that again, we haven't had a Diego Costa since... 2015-16? Yeah. Or 16-17, I, I guess. I yeah, don't remember the exact stat. Um, like, the numbers exactly. I think we were in 16th, but I saw that under under Tuchel, we had created the most big chances and had the most shots, and we were, like, 16th in goals in that, in that time span since Tuchel has taken over in the Premier League. So, again, like, even today, we created... We should have scored three. Like yeah, we had four or five chances to score. We should have scored three. We don't even. We aren't even having this discussion of like, oh, what went wrong with the front three? Well, like again, we have a lot of really good creative players, not any lethal finishers. And if you add just one lethal, even an average finisher to this group, uh, we're we're not having this discussion anymore. Like, yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, is I mean, Mount and Timo Werner are both among league leader, leaders in big chances created. So again, it, it just comes down to that final touch, putting the ball in the back of the net. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah. Leonard, again, thank you for asking the, the deep dive questions because, again, I think if these are numbers that the board and Peter Check and Thomas Tuchel are very much aware of, yeah. which is yeah, which is why, so. again, the big one of the big three positions that continues to be discussed is striker. And, and today another striker actually jumped into our radar. I believe Lautaro Martinez from Inter oh. is now being – Added and I don't know how I feel about that, but I'll take Lukaku, him, Holland, whoever <laughs> is a striker. Yeah, I, I think the list now includes all three of those names. Aguero as a backup. Uh, yeah, I think those are the big the four names that everybody would very much know about that have been uh, recently linked to Chelsea. But again, I think to be completely honest, for everybody that's wondering who our next forward is going to be, I think you're going to have to wait till after the Euros. Because every agent is hoping that their yeah. players' uh, stock just skyrockets. And, and for those that are shouting for Harry Kane, <laughs> you are really testing a man's loyalty. Um, yeah. If you think that Harry Kane is going to consider us, and if and if uh, even Lu- Daniel Levy is going to even listen to any offer we pull, so I'm going to have mixed feelings in that because I've slammed yeah. Harry Kane at every opportunity. <laughs> yeah, same. I don't know how many times leading up to his like second or third season, I was like, "Oh, it's just a one season. It's just a one season." But yeah, yeah, man, the man knows how to score. But yeah. uh, now let's move on to the final bit. It's the FA Cup final this Saturday versus Leicester City. We beat Manchester City to get here. We beat. Um, oh my God, who else did we beat leading up to this? I'm blanking out. Was it Liverpool as well? Uh, yeah, I don't remember either, honestly. <laughs> The point is, we deserve it. We we earned our oh, yeah. way. I think we had maybe one or two favorable draws along the way, but beating Man City along the way, I think we've proved that in elimination elimination competitions, we show up. I think after beating Manchester City and beating Real Madrid, it was also very hard to, to, to emulate the hype into the Arsenal match, which is maybe why we also felt so low energy, apart from the fact that we just played Madrid and City back-to-back. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I think the boys are going to show up. So, like I said, Leicester beat Southampton in the semis, and and going into this final at Trail Wolf, wanted to ask us who's in the team sheet in the FA Cup final for you. Uh, let's start with his first question because he's a big Billy Gilmore fan. Is it Billy Gilmore or Jorginho? So we'll start with that question and then we'll move on to like your full team sheet, Bobby. Um, I mean. Love Billy Gilmore, but yeah, I think even with the mistake today, it's still Jorginho. Yeah, it, it, you go with experience here. Yeah. I think it's, it's far too soon to, to put Billy into the final as a starter, especially with just two starts in the past X amount of matches. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Jorginho thing, I don't think he's even faced by it. You know, he's not the type of player no. that's going to go home and cry about it. Like, I think he'll be okay. He's fa- he's faced far more slander from Chelsea fans yeah. than this. Bro, Chelsea fans have been ruthless to him that this is not going to affect him at all. So, so starting 11, Bobby, I'll, I'll give you my starting 11 for this match. I, I think, I would say Mendy, but Tuchel has already confirmed mm. Kepa and goal. I'm cool with it, though. I think the back yeah. three would be Rudiger, Thiago, and Aspie, just because I don't know how healthy Christensen is yet. Uh. The flat four, Chilwell, Jorginho, Conte, Reese James. Yep. And the front three, I'd say, is going to be 
against my own personal bias, I think it'll be Werner, Kai, and Mount. Wow. And the only thing I can see differently is being uh, Ziyech, Werner, Mount. Yeah, I again, like I think everything is pretty much a given from what you said outside of the front three, and the only given in the front three is Mount. Yeah. Um, I I don't think Pulisic starts playing ninety. Uh, like and plus, I mean, he looked injured at some point during the game. He did run mm-hmm. it off, but uh, I don't think he does. I I think Ziyech probably starts, and I yeah, I think it's probably. I don't like Ziyech, Werner, Mount as a front three. Um, I know that Ziyech, I know that he had a goal contribution. I don't think he played well up to that point. Against Man City, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I, it's it's not like I don't like Ziyech, because he was probably the signing that I was most excited excited for. But I I think he's kind of lethargic doesn't really run at people, and, like, he's someone that you'd play more against a low block, I guess, to try to pick out, like, that pass somebody running back post. Um, but, yeah, Tuchel loves him, so, I mean, who who do I think is going to start? I wouldn't be surprised if it's Mount C. Ashrunner. I think I think that's that's the most probable lineup, uh, considering Z. didn't get subbed on until, like, what, like, something today. Right. And the other thing is that Tuchel has mentioned now multiple times that he likes playing Ziyech in big moments. Yeah. Uh, he seems he, he believes that he can rise, rise to the occasion. I really don't know how Leicester – I know that they play a three at the back. They've, they've kind of been going back and forth, but it seems that they've settled a three at the back with almost like a false nine to split Vardy and Iheanacho up front. I don't know their defensive style. So I don't know if they'll be coming out to press us. If they do, I honestly don't think they have the personnel to run that for 90 minutes. No. Uh, but, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I agree with you. Me and Zach spoke about ZS. Just, it's just crazy how how he can, you know, I don't know where just have that moment of brilliance with the, with the volley to, to half volley or, yeah, half volley to, to finish off the, the Man City or begin the Man City comeback. But – he doesn't look like the kind of guy that's going to put in the hard yards. He he always looks to slow down play. And, that's yeah, that's what I can't stand. That's and it's not really like to our advantage to do that. We just no. talked about how bad we are at breaking down an organized defense. We yeah. we operate well under under chaos, under under a frantic defense getting back into place more so than you know we don't Especially, have this anymore. We we don't yeah. have that. Guy. To, to split open the defense. Juan Mata's long gone. Fabregas is long gone. And Ziyech takes way too long to find that. And half yeah. the time, it's just a clip over the defense aiming at the back post. So, yeah, again. It's, it's, it's kind of like what Zuma does when he, like, takes long shots. Like, Ziyech will get the ball and will make one or two stagnant moves to get to his left. Or, you know, make one or two slow moves to put it across to the back and like that's it just slows down the attack and it's predictable to a degree but when he gets those off the shots the passes off they're good but yeah like it's, i mean he just gets shots blocked just all the time 
And I think he's also a, a volume player, and we knew this coming in. Wow. And, and again, that's yeah. also why we saw him succeed under Lampard, because under Lampard, he was playing more of a winger. And again, you are isolated. You have the time when you're at the wing. And when he was spamming 30, 40 passes into the box, of course he was going to get an assist or two out of that. Yeah. And and it's a different role playing this outside 10. But at the end of the day, he he has produced. I mean, goals against Atletico, goals against uh, Manchester yeah. City. So I, I see why his inclusion, you know, again, against both of our better judgment, we both chose him anyway. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be my he wouldn't be my preferred starter. I would prefer right. Mount Havertz Timo. I mean, yeah, that's probably my preferred. Honestly, though, it's just it's so hard to pick it because like I have confidence in pretty much everybody to get the job done against Leicester, but I don't have any confidence in them to finish. It just feels like every time we get in front of goal, I'm just like praying for someone to put it away. Yeah, I that's think the that's why. I think if they're all of them are creative, it's just none of them right. can finish. Yeah, and I think that's why I think I celebrate so hard when we do score. I mean, yeah. again, we go back to this Premier League conversion. It takes us 680 shots to score 55. I mean, so that's a joke. When when the ball goes into the net, it it's only normal for me to freak out because it it's something we struggle with, and, and we can laugh about it. But I mean, the numbers are there, and and it do, they don't lie. Now, now, Ron. I didn't do this the first time, but Ron at Bone Daddy Cool, at Bone Daddy Deluxe, at Bone Daddy Supreme asks, they didn't beat us. We beat ourselves in reference to yeah. Arsenal. But with that being said, how do you feel about the cup final on Saturday? I think they'll brush it off and, and play well. Uh, again, like we what, absolutely collapsed against West Brom yeah. and you know turned it around right away. I, I think, again, when you have a manager that knows – what he's going to get from his players and players know what's expected of them uh matches like this where it's just frustrating because again like i don't like i don't think we played poorly i don't think it was like we went out there and like really looked bad it was it it looked like we were i mean this isn't even a dig at arsenal it looked like we were playing a bad team we were playing a bad team that got a lucky goal and defended their ass off for for an hour like, right, and we can and, break them down because we're, we don't finish well. We had the opportunities to win that game three or four to one, and we didn't take them. Like that, but that's that's a normal game for us. We don't take our chances well. And, and you pointed out too that 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 lack of patience to what we're good at, and, and with a low block, you, you're right. It takes a lot of patience to continue to possess, to continue to possess, and try to find that one chance. And and unfortunately, I don't think we had that today. And you saw a lot of backwards passes, a lot of guys Lots. not making runs. And people will try to be, oh, that's so boring or whatever. But it's just a matter of, of what was in front of us. I don't yep. think we'll see that in a final. I mean, it's a final. You'll, you're you're dumb if you think a goal in the first minute and you defend for 89 is the way to win a trophy. I get oh. that. That is hard to do. I ask Atletico Madrid. They tried it multiple times <laughs> against Real Madrid in Champions League finals and never worked out for them. Yep. You, you, if you don't look to score, you're going to get scored on. Simple yeah. as that. I I think we have a good chance. I think Tuchel is going to earn his first trophy as a Chelsea manager this weekend. I really do. And uh, yeah, I hope. Uh, for us fans, I hope it's something fun to watch. Obviously, beating City just 1-0 was great in the semis because it was beating City. But it'd be nice to get 
get it to all click um, in a final. <laughs> uh, it might be a little too much to ask based, again, on the numbers that Leonard Cohen made us kind of bring up to the light. But, I mean, Bobby, well, what do you think uh, What are you thinking score-wise here against Leicester City? I'm going to go optimistic and say 3-1. We you know, I, back, get a lot of opportunities. We we score and uh, and what Niacho probably scores on us. So yeah, I wanted to, to point out Leicester City. I can't remember what I think it was Newcastle where they kind of blew it four to two. So I mean the the chances should be there. We're really good in the counter. I was thinking two nil. So a, a two goal win I think is solid enough. So either one I'll take as long as we see Aspie lifting the FA Cup here at the end of the weekend. But, uh, oh, before I forget, because I almost blew this, Zach always mentions at the end of the podcast that, you know, we love to hear fan stories and, and why you became a Chelsea fan, how you got there. And we actually had a Chelsea fan named Pete write to us to, at RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. He wrote, I became a Chelsea fan in 2003 while doing study abroad in Sydney. I grew up playing soccer and always loved it, but never really got into the MLS and didn't know how much I didn't know much about the professional sport. Uh, the dad of the family I was living with watched the Premier League and is an Everton fan. And one day I said to him, OK, I want to get into this. Who should I pick for a team? He said, just watch a bunch of games. You won't pick a team. A team will pick you. Well, half a dozen later, half a dozen games later, Frank Lampard was my favorite player, and I was forever Chelsea. So, Pete, thank you for sending us your story. I love to hear that. I I mean, I had a, a similar experience. I was aware of who Chelsea was, but what really made me follow them full-time was, was Michael Ballack. Uh, ever since 2002, he was my favorite player growing up, and, and when he made it to Chelsea, I was at an age where I – could control how much soccer I would watch on TV and it just made it instant. So love to hear that story Uh, to other fans. Please continue to send these to us via email or on Twitter at Romans empire pod. But Bobby, do you have anything last to add for us or it was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. It's good to have you on. We talk Chelsea all the time in in the discord with other rep ultras and uh, Oh, while I'm at it, because we keep forgetting, Ron, our Ultra Czar, please, 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 it is time to get both Kendall Higa and Russell Saunders knighted into the Discord. Please take care of that on Twitter. Russell might be too cool for it, but it's worth a shot. But apart from that, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.